want to thank Bob and Sandy, Bob Minch and Sandy Thomas, from the Kindergarten 2 class. I've never been, had multiple Valentine's requests all in one, uh, one, one setting, so, and of course, I'm grateful for them all, but my son, I love that one the most, so, so. Good to see our kids, good to see them involved, and good to connect with them, and we're grateful for them. It's one of the great blessings of this church. If you're new here, or if you're looking for a church, one of the great blessings of this church is the wonderful children's program we have here and the wonderful individuals that lead those ministries. Amen? Uh, it is a, a tough task. I was wandering around the Sabbath school classrooms this morning, and I, I just think to myself, there is no way I could ever do this. So God bless all of you that do stuff like that. And uh, I hope I didn't scare the rest of you away. Maybe there's some of you right now that are thinking, oh, I would like to do that, and now he made it sound scary. <laughs> we need a help in a couple of classes. I think kindergarten, or uh, uh, cradle roll, need some help in a couple other classes. So we would, we would appreciate, um, if you're interested in that, please let us know. You can fill out on your connection card. We'd love to have you involved in that. But we have great kids, and we have great leadership here and we're just so grateful and we're grateful for Pastor Marilyn and her leadership uh, over all of it. Let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer quickly. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for bringing us into your house today. We pray that you'll bless us as we worship, as we continue our worship, as we open your word now, speak to our hearts and our minds. In your name we pray, amen. Will you open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2? This should be familiar to you by now. Acts, chapter 2, beginning in verse 40. Acts, chapter 2, beginning in verse 40. We are in this text, primarily verse 42, for the third and now final time. Acts, chapter 2, beginning in verse 40. And with many words, other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, they're speaking of, Luke is writing of Peter here in the great sermon on Pentecost that he preached, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. We've talked about the components over the last several weeks of a healthy, spirit-led church. A a healthy, spirit-led, growing, vibrant church. First of all, we looked at how this church is committed to Bible study. They're committed to Bible study. The, The the, the scripture says that they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. So they're committed to the word of God. They're committed to learning and growing. A healthy church is committed to Bible study. And we talked about that we need to be a church, both corporately that opens the word of God, but not only corporately that opens the word of God, but that we individually as well need to be a church full of individuals that are opening the word of God, not just on Sabbath morning or not just on occasion here and there, but daily we are spending time in the Word of God, and I hope you have been doing that. We talked about starting with just 15 minutes a day, and hopefully from there it grows, 15, 20, 25, 30. Hopefully, eventually you're spending a thoughtful hour a day just on the life of Christ and then growing from there as well. That is what a healthy church should do. Then we talked about fellowship. We specifically said 
eating with one another when we talked about the context of fellowship. We looked at how the Bible promotes the idea of a church that is healthy and, and growing together and, 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 and growing in numerically as well is a church that has fellowship, specifically a church that eats together. Have you invited anyone since that sermon? Have you invited anyone that you didn't know over to eat with you on a, on a Sabbath afternoon? Or did you take someone out during the week to spend some time eating with one another? Eating is an intimate act, and it actually builds relationship more than many other things that we do. So I hope you will do this. And our third element, and the last that we are going to look at from this text and in this series, is prayer. Is prayer. The scripture says that they devoted themselves, they, were, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. We will never be a truly healthy, vital, growing church. We'll never be fully the church that God has called us to be without a larger corporate commitment, a larger corporate commitment to prayer. Not just something that we talk about. We, uh, probably many of you have been to, to prayer meetings where there's more talking about prayer than there's actually prayer. Anyone been to a prayer meeting like that? Where there's more talk? No one's been to a prayer meeting like that? Or are we just all tired today? Okay, two of you. How many of you have been to prayer? No, don't answer that question. <laughs> We've been to prayer meetings where there's more talking about prayer than actually praying. We hear scriptures about prayer and we read books about prayer, but, but does it translate into us as a community of faith being committed to prayer? Is it something we actually do? I want to read you a quote from one of my favorite books, Evangelism. Before I read that, that, that quote to you, uh, I'll tell you that the quote is in the context, as the book states, the context of doing evangelism. Now, now, for some people, when they hear that word evangelism, and oh, this is from the book of evangelism, they think about evangelism in the context of a, of a singular event that may happen on occasion within their church. Okay, someone's holding some meetings. Uh, some of you might be old enough. Someone's putting up a tent somewhere. I would love to see the tents go back up. I don't know why. That just seems like really cool to me to preach on sawdust or something. I don't know if my, my, I might be sneezing by the end of it, but, but man, this sounds so cool to me. But some of you may think about it in that regard. Some of you may think about when you hear evangelism, a person's face will pop into your, to your, to your mind, uh, Mark Finley or HMS Richards or someone like that. That may be your idea of evangelism. But when I think of evangelism, y'all, and I hope that you will come to this place in your lives as well, but when I think of evangelism, I think of something that is part of my everyday life and your life, I hope, as well. Something that, that literally you are living out on a consistent basis, an evangelistic lifestyle. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This proclamation that God desires for us to do as a, as, a, as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, is not something that he says, I want you to do it once a year at some evangelistic event. But this is to be, this proclamation is to take place every single day and in every single moment of our lives. Amen? 
That is to be, evangelism is to be, to be ingrained in every aspect of our lives. This is not an occasional action. So let me read, with that, with that, with that framework in mind, let me read this quote to you from the book Evangelism. The blessing of the Lord will come to the church members who thus participate in the work, she's speaking of the work of evangelism, gathering in small groups daily to pray for its success. Let there be less talking and more sincere, earnest prayer. And that comes from a little paper some of you may have heard of, Review and Herald, a.k.a. the Adventist Review, December 20, 1906. Churches that unite in prayer, she writes, the Lord will bless. They will bless, they will be blessed in the work. The work will be blessed and the individuals will be blessed as well. Churches that are prone to pray, churches that their default method is not first to form a committee, is not first to, to, to try to change policy, is not first to, to, to make a few phone calls to see if we can get this figured out. But a church that is prone to pray first, God will bless that church and the members that are praying within that church. This is evidenced throughout the book of Acts. So we're going to look at some things in the book of Acts. This is evidenced throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. Acts chapter 1, we see this repeated over and over and over again. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, the scriptures tell us, these all continued, speaking of the disciples, the followers of Jesus, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What was the result of this, these groups of people continuing with one accord in prayer? What was the result of those prayers? Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were praying. They were, they were continuing in prayer. And God responded to that prayer by filling them with the Holy Spirit. And then as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what took place? Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Do you think 3,000 souls were added to their number because Peter was such a great preacher? Do you think 3,000 souls were added to their number because they had a great evangelistic strategy and plan? 3,000 souls were added to their number because here was a group of people that started with prayer. They were prone to pray. That's who they were. And that's what they did. We see it all over the book of Acts, this church, this healthy, vibrant, vital, growing church, the first mega church we ever read about in history. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, just what we just read, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, in the fellowship, uh, apostles teaching and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And what did the Lord do as these people met together, studied together, fellowship together and pray together. What did the Lord do? Acts chapter two and verse 47. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now let me ask you, how many of you would like to see numbers added to your church daily, those who are being saved? I mean, does that, that thrills my soul to think that that could happen, that that, that could take place. And I know we, we talk about it, uh, it is taking place on a global level, but, but this was one town and one church, and I believe God wants to do that again. I believe God wants to do that in our midst again. Daily taking place. Acts chapter four, Peter and John are arrested for witnessing for Jesus. 
Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested for witnessing for Jesus. When they are, when they are released, they go back and they tell the church what has happened. They tell the church, we, we, we were arrested and we were told not to talk about Jesus anymore. What do the people do? Do they concede? Do they say, well, well maybe we can go and appeal to the government and get their minds changed? Acts chapter 4 and verse 24. So when they heard that, when they heard that the government said, no longer talk about Jesus anymore, did they file a petition? Did they go speak to the local senator or congressman? All things that may be appropriate in times and places. But that wasn't what they were first prone to do. The first thing they were prone to do, Acts chapter 4 and verse 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. When they heard this, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And what did God do? Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They spoke the word of God with boldness. They didn't wait for someone to tell them they could speak. They went forward and, forth and spoke it with even more boldness. When the church was facing organizational difficulties and challenges, when they were facing issues of policy, when they were facing practical issues, what was the church prone to do? Was the church prone to, to set up subcommittees and, and get people discussing things together? What was their first action? Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, they had a decision, they had a decision in mind, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Then there is a list of individuals that were brought before these disciples. There was a list of of, of deacons that were brought before the disciples. And the Bible tells us this. They then, they then and, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And then what does the Bible tell us in verse seven? Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Here were a group of leaders in the church, and they said, you know what? We cannot be distracted with other issues. We cannot be distracted with other issues because we have to be first and foremost about the word of God and about prayer and ministering to this world. Folks, we're in a church that has a whole bunch of our brightest and most brilliant minds that are distracted with issues and not, and not able to focus the way they should on prayer. Why? Because we go to other things first, but this was a church that was prone to pray. And when they prayed, the Bible says, the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. In Acts chapter 12, Peter is, is thrown in prison by Herod. The church didn't protest, the church didn't mope. They did what they did best. Verse five, Peter was therefore, this is Acts chapter 12, verse five, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I love that. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And I love the story of what happens here. I think it's one of the funnier stories in the scriptures that 
that the prayers are answered and Peter gets out and he comes to the house where these people are praying, where they're having their prayer meeting and he knocks on the door and he tells them it's Peter and no one believes him. We can't worry, we gotta get back to praying for Peter. No, Peter's at the door. I love that story. I just think it's a little humorous story with, within the Bible, even sometimes in prayer. God's already answering our prayer and we're like, hold on God, I gotta get back to my prayer. I answered your prayer. Peter is released. And then verse 24, look what happens. This group, this, this, this church, and the Bible says, that, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And now in verse 24, and the word of God grew and multiplied. Over and over and over again in the book of Acts, we see a church that their, their, their default position, their, what they are prone to do whenever they face a challenge, whenever they, they face a difficulty, their, their default method was to come together corporately, not just a few individuals here and there, but to come together corporately and pray. And the effect of that prayer was a vital, healthy, growing church where the Lord was adding to their number daily. It's interesting because if you've read the book Acts of the Apostles, Mrs. White writes about, Ellen White writes about the fact that when Paul was put in prison, that the church did not pray for him the way they had prayed for Peter. And thus, Paul's voice was snuffed out early. Think of the blessing that all of us have received. I mean, have you read the book of Romans? Man, it's just rich. The book of Galatians and Colossians and Ephesians. If you read these books, so we believe Hebrews as well. I mean, just rich. And to think that it was snuffed out because the church wasn't in constant prayer for him as they were for Peter. Something to think about. You see, when a church prays, God blesses and does amazing things, and God grows that church. But when a church fails to come together, when their default position is not prayer, when they are not prone to prayer as a community of faith, we struggle. I'm convinced more than anything that I'm here with you all today because I was at a church that was praying. Not that they were praying for me to leave, at least I hope not. What I mean by that is that no one would have ever considered the name Chad Stewart for the senior pastor position of the Spencerville Church. In fact, a few of you told me, I've never heard of you. I said, that's okay. I've never heard of you either. <laughs> if I had not been a part of a growing church. But the reason I was a part of a growing church is because it was a prayerful church. And it wasn't a prayerful church because, man, Chad is such an awesome and mighty prayer warrior. The credit, of course, goes to God, but if, but if we're going to assign credit to just, to just one person on this earth, it would actually have to go to a, a very bubbly lady, a very enthusiastic, sometimes frustratingly so, lady by the name of Katie Hayworth. I'd been the pastor in Visalia for only about two weeks when Katie first approached me. Pastor, I want to talk to you about prayer. Okay? I mean, if you're a pastor, you can't say no to that, right? I mean, even if you don't want to talk to this person. Like, but just the way she came up to me, Pastor, I want to talk to you about prayer. 
grabs a hold of me, and I'm a hugger, and I still, I was like, what? I said, okay, what do you want to talk about in particular? She said to me, we need more of it. Well, if you're a pastor, even if you're annoyed in the moment, you have to agree with that statement, you know. There's certain things you guys can say that I'll always say yes to. Just give you a little inside tip. She seemed way too zealous for me, though, and I just, like, kind of closed the conversation down. A few weeks later, again, she's there, comes up front of the church, doesn't even wait to let me get to the back door. Pastor, I want to talk to you about prayer. Yes, I know. Pastor, we need to get more people praying. I only have, we only have in this church four or five prayer warriors right now, and two of them refuse to pray with each other because they don't like each other. careful about refusing to pray with someone. Both those people were moved out of that community within just a short matter of time. Not by me. <laughs> by God. We need more people praying. Well, if you're a pastor, that's another one you can't really say no to. Yeah, you're right. We need, we need more people praying. Thank you. Appreciate it, Katie. A few weeks later, pastor, I want to talk to you about prayer. Didn't we already talk about prayer? I think we've talked about this before. Pastor, we need more prayer. Yes, we've, we've covered that one. Pastor, we need more people to get more people praying. Yes, we've covered that too. Pastor, you need to talk and preach more on prayer. Now she was trifling. I didn't like it. And that became her mantra. And week after week, she pushed and she pushed. But more importantly, I know that week after week, she was on her knees praying, praying, praying that her pastor would become more committed to prayer. Before long, I was reading more and more about prayer. I was finding books left on my desk, handed to me in church. <laughs> I was studying more and more about prayer. I was reading through the scriptures, and, I was, and God was reminding me even of how I came to know Jesus, that it was because people were praying for me. And God was reminding me, think of the height from which you've fallen, that thing which you came into. You neglect and eventually I found myself preaching more and more about prayer. And every year you'll hear me preach two or three sermons or four or five sermons on prayer, on finances, on evangelism. You'll hear several of those things over and over again. But prayer will be one of those regular things. And the more that we began to focus on prayer, more prayer started to happen. And the more prayer started to happen, the more people became interested in prayer and became passionate about prayer. And we started to hear testimonies of, of answered prayer. And we started, prayer started to be a very comfortable thing within our midst. I remember one Sabbath that, that, that right in the middle of the service, I mean, just in, in, the, in the service, we just stopped everything and, and felt the conviction to pray for a family. There had been a, a, a young lady and her husband who had had a, had a son and they had airlifted him to Stanford, and the report was that this boy was not going to live, just this small child. And I remember right in the midst of prayer, someone said, we need to stop. I mean, right in the midst of church, we'd already had the pastoral prayer and everything. Right in the midst of church, we said, we need to stop and, and just pray for this family. There was a conviction that we just need to pray for this family. And prayer become a normal thing in that setting. And so everyone just stopped and, and turned to one another and began to pray for this family. 
And the next week, a member of ours was, was over in the San Francisco area, and they went to visit this family in Stanford. And they were asking how, how little Hezekiah was doing. They were asking him how he was doing, and, and she said, well, you know, Friday night, he was, they thought that, that this was going to be it, that this was going to be the last few hours of his life. And she said, in Sabbath morning, woke up, and we were praying, and she said, and then about 11.30, she goes, I remember looking at the clock. Something just changed, and the doctors came in, and they looked at it, and they said, he's fine. He's going to be okay. 11.30, that time sounds familiar. It was when a church just stopped. Someone just stopped us in the middle of our service and said, wait a second, we should be praying for this little boy. But it became a normal thing for, for prayer to be taking place. And we'd hear testimonies of people praying. And that, that group of five prayer warriors with two that didn't even want to pray with one another turned into more than 65 prayer warriors. 65 prayer warriors that prayed for every member in the church and every guest that attended the church and wrote their names on a connection card and every person that we had in our data bank that came to any meeting, every single one of those people were prayed for, not just as a collective group, but by name every single week. And you know what happens when a church has every single member being prayed for? A church begins to grow. God does things within that church. And as that church got more and more into prayer, the Bible turned out to be true to its predictions. God does something when churches come together corporately and pray. God does something. And we began to grow. And I love to say that when we grew, we were like, yes, it's because of our prayer. And we're so but you know what? Sometimes we got distracted. And we get distracted and we start being invited, our, one of my associates who was a strong, strong prayer warrior, he was being invited to go different places and to, to talk about prayer and to speak about prayer and, 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 and to share stories about, about prayer with people and to train people in praying. And, and back home we would talk about church growth and, and do these different things. And, and, and we'd find at times that, man, we were getting into that mode of talking more about prayer and all that God was doing than actually talking to God. And every time that happened, we would start to stagnate a little, and we'd have to be reminded, and we'd have to be humbled. It's because we were praying. And Katie would come to us, Pastor, I feel like we're just not talking about prayer. We're just not focusing enough on prayer anymore. And she was right. We'd, get re we'd recalibrate, get back to the basics, back to prayer. And again, God would do wonderful things. When we weren't praying, we were struggling. But when we were praying, we were growing. And in those six years, God blessed and that church that about 150 people attending in those six years doubled in attendance. And that church that, that in the last 15 years had baptized about 150 people, baptized over 200 people in six years. God showed up when this church began to pray. It took a persistent lady for God to remind me how important prayer is to the life of a Christian and to the life of a church. 
I was reminded again here in our own midst of that much-needed power during our 10 days of prayer. What a blessing that 10 days of prayer was. We only had about 15 or 20 of us gathered on a regular basis, but, but it was a wonderful blessing to hear these people pour out their hearts to God and to, and to see people uh, and hear people sharing testimonies about what God is doing. I'm going to have a testimony come up here in a few weeks and share with you something that was happening. But, but one couple was, was inspired to start a prayer group in their home for their kids' friends that don't go to church. And guess what? Eight to ten young adults are showing up for this prayer meeting at these people's house. Amen? God does things when, when people begin to pray. And I was reminded again of much, how, how desperately we need the power of prayer this past weekend as I was truly bolstered as I said goodbye to one of my dearest friends. But I knew y'all were praying. I was getting text messages and and. and Facebook posts, and I knew y'all were praying. I simply can't imagine being a part of a church that doesn't emphasize prayer. That doesn't emphasize prayer. That doesn't make prayer a primary act of their existence. And so in the last few minutes of the sermon, I want to share with you a vision I have for some prayer ministries within this church some things that I'd like to see us eventually move towards within this church. The first is that I want to share with you that in the very near future, we will commence a regular prayer meeting. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 and 15, you may be familiar with this. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 14 and 15, the Lord is very clear. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Was it the place that made the difference, or was it the corporate body coming together to ask God for his blessing? Folk, I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness from sin on a regular basis. I need healing in areas of, of my life still to this day. Our land needs healing. Our nation needs healing. Our, our church, our global church, and our local church, we need aspects of healing even in our own midst. I want to encourage our church family to make prayer, corporate prayer, the prayer meeting, a priority. Ellen White says in the book Steps to Christ, page 98, seek every opportunity to go, seek every opportunity to go where prayer is one to be made. Those who are really seeking for communion with God will be seen in the prayer meeting, faithful to do their duty and earnest and anxious to reap all the benefits they can gain. They will improve every opportunity of placing themselves where they can receive the rays of light from heaven. Seek every opportunity to, to go where prayer is want to be made. Those who are seeking for communion with God will be seen in the prayer meeting. Some of you may have heard about the, the great prayer movement in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, Jim Cimbala. I've read a number of Jim Cimbala's books on prayer. And one of the things he says in, that, in, in, his, in, his, in his book is he said, I can show you how popular a church is by the attendance on Sunday morning. They go to church on Sunday. He said, I can show you how popular the preacher is by the attendance 
at church on Sunday evening. But I'll show you how popular God is by the attendance at the midweek prayer meeting. And I wonder how popular is God within our midst? How popular will God be within our midst? You know, I, I read all these books and I've heard all these stories for, from Elder Simbla. So a couple summers ago, I had the privilege to be in, in New York City working with the, um, the Elder Wilson meetings and the, Mark, and the Elder Finley meetings there in, in Manhattan. And one evening before our meeting on a Tuesday night, I went down to the Brooklyn Tabernacle because I've heard all about that we're all about prayer and that's what our prayer means about. We're all about prayer and I wanted to go see. And so I go to the Brooklyn Tabernacle and I show up there at five o'clock because that's when they say their doors open for prayer. And I'm there at five o'clock and I walk into this, this church and there's no music going on. There's nothing going on. And here are, are rows of prayer warriors lined up at the front of the church and literally hundreds of people lined up waiting to pray with these prayer warriors individually. And for two hours, these people just funneled down and were prayed for. And then they went back to their seats and quietly spent time in prayer themselves. When I walked in, I was given a card. And on this card, there was a specific prayer request. And it said, we are inviting you to be a part of our prayer ministries. And they asked me to pray for this specific prayer request. It was a young mother, a single mom who was looking for a job to help support her two kids. That was her prayer request and that was the request they asked me to pray for. Well now how popular God is by the presence at the prayer meeting. I know that many live at some distance, and so I hope to also see, and I'm going to ask individuals within our church living all over this area, if they would consider opening up their homes maybe once or twice a month and host a prayer gathering of their own in their homes. These don't have to be large gatherings. They can just be a small company of people. That is fine. Again, another quote from Review and Herald, June 30, 1896. The Lord has promised that where two or three are met together in his name, there will, there will he be in the midst. Those who meet together for prayer will receive an unction from the Holy, Holy One. There is great need of secret prayer. There is great need of secret prayer. But there is also need that several Christians meet together and unite with earnestness their petitions to God. In these small companies, Jesus is present. The love of souls is deepened in the heart. And the Spirit puts forth its mighty energies that human agents may be exercised in regard to saving those who are lost. And to saving those who are lost. It doesn't have to be a big prayer meeting. It can be three or four of you gathered in a home with one another. We have people that, that come all the way from, from Arlington and, and places in Virginia, and we have people that come way north of, of Baltimore. We need to make sure that we have places for those people to gather and pray as well together. We want to have prayer taking place all over this city. I'd also like to see prayer become a regular practice after each of our services. I know that even now as I speak about this, someone's saying, man, I'd love to have someone just pray for me to, to, to lift me up in prayer. They need hope from heaven. They need to hear someone pray for them by name. But we need more than four or five prayer warriors. We need 70 or 80 or 100 prayer warriors that are willing to participate in that. My prayer is that we get enough prayer warriors that we'll be able to have folk come forward each week to be prayed with individually by name. I believe that prayer changes hearts even as prayers are 
being made. I would love for intercessory prayer to be taking place during all of our church activities, each worship service. One of the things that I really think bolstered us at Visalia was a group got together at 8.45 in the morning and they prayed through the entire first service. They prayed for everything that was taking place in the service. Our first service was, was kind of empty and we said we need to pray for this service and so there was a group of people that got together and just prayed through the service and that prayer I believe is what, what, what made that service grow to over 110, 120 people. And that may not sound like a lot to you, but come to our first service. I'd love to have 110 or 20 people in our first service. I'd love to have 110 or 120 people in our first service. I believe it was because prayer. We're Californians. We don't get up any earlier than you do. You guys are way more proper and formal than us. We're sleeping half the day in California. <laughs> yeah, we still got up for prayer. Got up for church. A few weeks ago, we heard a report that more than half the student body at Washington Adventist University are not yet Adventist. More than half of the student body at Washington Adventist University are not yet Adventist. Do we think this will change simply by hoping it will be changed? It has to be intentional. Elder Knott and I were talking the other day about a, a university in Korea, and they're so intentional about reaching their non-Adventist students. We need to be intentional about this. But it doesn't start with a good method or a good plan. It starts with a community of faith that is praying that God will lead us and that we will win each one of those young people for Jesus Christ. Half of them, folks, that are not Adventists. I want our church to lead the way in reaching that campus, reaching that community of faith. I know they have a church there, but doesn't mean we can't be a part of it. Our school needs a dedicated prayer team. Our school, Spencerville Adventist Academy. Oh, how I was so blessed. I was so blessed to receive two text messages on Monday. Just a little bit before, I'm going to get emotional. Uh, just a little bit before, I went up to, to, to share the funeral services. I was so blessed to receive two text messages from faculty at our school, Spencerville Adventist Academy. Said, Pastor Chad, the entire faculty stopped to pray for you today, to lift you up in prayer. I'm so grateful that we have a faculty that stops to pray. But we need to be praying for them as well. We need to be praying for our school and lifting up our school. And then I got back this week and, and I received this, this giant row of hearts this giant row of hearts, and there was prayers on each one of these hearts from the student association leaders of SAA. Praise the Lord for our kids, amen? Man, I love our kids. I know some of them are about over there. I went to the youth room today, and I said, I see you leaving sometimes. I see you walking out this window, and I want to see you staying. So I said, please, come to church. I said, sit with me on the front row. I'll be glad to have you. So none of them joined me. Thank you, Marilyn, for joining me here today. <laughs> She's young at heart. And young, and young. <laughs> but praise the Lord for leadership of our young people at our school that are praying, amen? We need a dedicated prayer team for our school at Spencerville. Pastor Jason is building us a new website, and on that site there will be a dedicated area in which people can submit prayer requests. I love that. But I hope for the day when folk will know that they can call Spencerville Church anytime, night or day, and someone will be available to pray with them. 
You may think this sounds crazy, but there's lots of churches that have this. And they'll do that because they'll know, if I need prayer, Spencerville is that church that's always praying, always praying. When a church becomes a church of prayer, not a church with prayer, but a church of prayer, what God has in store will be more than any of our hearts or minds can imagine. What God will do will be, any, will be more than any of us can comprehend. I want to invite you to pull out your connection cards with me at this time. These little white cards that you received in your bulletin when you came in, I hope that you'll pull those out. Give us as much information as you're comfortable with giving us on the front there. If you're a guest here, we'd love to hear from you. And if you're a guest here, I hope that this will just be the first time of many that you are joining us in this church. But on the back side there, we have on the, on the right of the back side, I'm interested in and beginning a relationship with Jesus. If you're in here and you came in here, someone invited you to church today and you don't know why, but man, there's something in your heart stirring. You know you need something. I'll tell you what that something is that you need. It's Jesus. And so if you are interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to talk with you on that. If you've been, been convicted lately to, to, uh, to get baptized, I just want to encourage you to, to take, check that box. We should always make that appeal for baptism. I, uh, when the Weber girls were baptized, I got up and I said, hey, we had some baptized today. If any of you have been thinking about this, and... We had a Washington Adventist University young man who's never been baptized, who sings in this choir for the last three years, who said, I want to be baptized. And on March 14, we're going to be baptizing him right here. Amen? Amen. So we're excited about that. I want information on baptism, information on church membership, serving on a team at Spencerville. You want to receive baptismal Bible studies. This means you want to know more about what this, this church teaches and what this is all about. We'd be happy to meet with you. But specifically today in response to today's sermon, I clearly understood the message today. If you understood that, just check that. That helps me to know that we're communicating effectively. I understand that consistent, fervent prayer must be pursued as a church family, not just individually, but as a church family. I understand this. Number three, or box three, I would like to be involved with the prayer ministry team at Spencerville Church. If you have a heart for prayer, look, you don't have to, you don't have, to have any other skill. Everybody can pray. Everybody can pray. You know how I know that? Because there's this great text in the Bible that says that when our, our groans are taken to heaven and God translates them. Everybody can pray. So if you'd like to be a part of our prayer ministry team here at Spencerville, please let us know. Juliana, our prayer ministries leader, will be in touch with you. I'm so, I praise the Lord for the, the young adult leaders that we have within our church, and I praise the Lord for Juliana. We had an informal meeting the other day, and I received a two-page email with a layout of all that we talked about. And I was like, wow, this is impressive. I didn't even know I said all that cool stuff. Thanks, now I know. I plan to support and attend as I am able the bi-monthly prayer gatherings of the Spencerville Church as you're able. I know some of you are traveling a lot, wherever you may be, but, but when you're here, I hope you'll plan to attend. We're gonna start out bi-monthly because we haven't been doing it, so we're gonna start out steady and we'll, we'll increase from there. I would be willing to consider opening my home for neighborhood prayer gatherings, please provide me with more information. You're not committing to do that right now, but if you'd like more information on that, if you would be willing to open up your home and host uh, a prayer gathering, then, then please let us know that. Check that box, a neighborhood, once a month, uh, as, as we're looking at now. Please check that box, and, and we'll be in touch with you, and we'll give you more information on that. But folks, we want to be 
a church of prayer. In John chapter 14 and verse 13 and 14, I want to close with the words of Jesus. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Lord Jesus, we ask you today to make us a church not with prayer, but a church of prayer. And may we be so bold, Lord, that as we come together corporately to pray, that we will observe your mighty power in a way that we've never seen before. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.